Hey everyone, welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices. Those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing. So we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Greg. Nice to see you. Yeah, yeah, likewise. I uh, really enjoyed getting together in person the other day, so this whole zoom business is feeling not as much fun yeah i hear you i feel that i feel that and it's good to just keep this conversation going and kind of have a lot on my mind around around continuing to disrupt my practice and Mm -hmm. what's moving through me that i need to disrupt so this i'm really looking forward to our conversation today should we do a quick check-in on capacity yes yeah do you want to go first you want me to go first what makes... I just said a whole bunch of stuff. Why don't you go first? Oh, I'll go first. Sure. Yeah. First, I would place. say is maybe one of these days we can get all the listeners together in the one room and and have a big conversation together. You know. Um, oh, I can't wait for that imagine. day. It'd be fun. Yeah. 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 So I'll check in. I could pass. I'm you know I'm feeling good. I'm uh, Physically good, feeling good, emotionally feeling really grounded, mentally feeling a little tiny bit foggy. Maybe there's a little tiredness present, but but mostly good there. Um, feeling connected and grounded. So, mm-hmm. and feeling like I've got a pretty pretty high capacity to to dive into this conversation with you today. So excited! Love yeah. to hear how you're doing. Great, love to hear you have capacity. I know how it ebbs and flows for us both. So. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been kind of on a on a roll of pretty good capacity, actually. Just to reflect that back. Yeah, it's been um, a good few weeks. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm also feeling good on capacity. Like, got a full tank, um, pretty much on all the levels: emotional, mental, physical. Spiritual, spiritual needs some tending. I need to take a walk that mm. goes with my body also. Just haven't been feeling mm. well. I've had a cold. So I think that's part of what gives me high capacity mm. today is I actually feel better. Mm. Um, and I, I just, I'm feeling excited about the work we're up to and what we're thinking about doing. So yeah, I've got good capacity today. Sweet. That's great. All right. So that brings us to what we're going to talk about. Should I tee us up a bit here? You should. That would be fantastic. Great. Well, we wanted to uh, get practical today, um, though it doesn't go without also being philosophical. <laughs> so, um, but you know, we've been talking a lot, kind of about how internalized white supremacy moves through us, and some of the things we want to be keeping in mind, like our positionality, and. Uh, you had a great conversation with Adam. And so in terms of being facilitators and consultants and coaches, uh, how do we get practical here and take all that we're learning and unpacking and understanding and feeling, I hope really feeling 
uh, and being with in our systems and bring this into a thoughtful design, a uh, thoughtful facilitation. Um, so we are going to talk today about that. And we're not talking about contracting with a client that is worthy of a whole conversation in and of itself and all the stuff that comes up there mm-hmm. that can be disrupted. But we're let's assume that that's done and um, you know that we're doing a facilitation or designing a session. Oh, you know, Greg and I are frequently working with teams and intact groups to have conversations about, you know, what would help them feel more effective, have higher performance, mm-hmm. you know, maybe mm-hmm. process a, a conflict to some degree. So we're going to talk about that. What would you add in, Greg? Mm-hmm. No, I think it's exactly right. I think, you know, I think most of us are aware, like, you know, contracting, there's the, there's like the getting an engagement, like kind of contracting. And then there's the ongoing contracting that's constantly happening throughout a process with, with a client. Um, and, and the same thing is true with design, you know, so while we're going to talk kind of about that, you know, you know, maybe you do a discovery and then you take your, take your, your notes and your information and you pull it into your little facilitator cave and you design something and then you go do that can be the discrete thing, but design itself is, part of an ongoing process. And so, you know, I want to, want to name that as such. So it's not just, you know, um, necessarily that discrete, but more discrete than the whole engagement. Yeah. 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 So this is assuming, no, it makes sense. I think, I think what I hear you saying is, um, also assuming that some discovery work has been done, you know, to understand the context and the people and the folks that we'll be engaging with, like in a, longer facilitated type conversation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I can imagine when we're designing for discovery, like if we're designing a series of focus mm. groups or something, you know, we'd want to have right. some, some of these things in mind as well, but like trying to think about the things we're thinking about and, and noticing the things that we maybe don't often notice about what's happening. And, and part of that is just kind of using the lens of probably where you were going to go next, right? Is like using the lens of the characteristics of white supremacy culture, which we talked about a number of episodes back, um, giving kind of a high level on. Um, and, but specifically looking at one of them just to, so we can focus ourselves a little bit more. Yeah. 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 That's where I was going to go next. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, highly recommend people, connecting back to the characteristics of white supremacy, if not printing it out and keeping it handy or putting it on your desktop um, as a guide. And um, today we were going to do a deep dive on quantity over quality Mm -hmm. and how that shows up. Um, And I think, Greg, I'm just going to read that because I'm not going to assume that everyone has it memorized (laughs) because I don't. It was really good (laughs) to look over this for myself. So, um, quantity over quality, you know, it can show up in terms of all resources of the organization are directed toward producing measurable goals. I think we all know this one, right? So that propensity for, you know, if we can't measure it, we can't manage it. Um, And that being, you know, a bias and the things that can be measured are more highly valued than the things that cannot Um, so the numbers of people attending a meeting or the number of decisions that got made or, 
the kind of money rather than how did everyone feel in that meeting? Did, uh, yes, yes. right. Did, were we able to deal with a conflict? Did we slow down? So little or no value is attached to process, right? So heaven forbid we go, mm-hmm. um, right. you know, we have to have a parking lot for things so that we can uh, achieve our agenda. Quantity over quality also helps us avoid our discomfort with emotions and feelings. So we just go back to quantity mm-hmm. and action and measuring things. And then limited understanding or limited value of when there is a conflict between content and process. So say the agenda of the meeting and people's need to be heard and to talk about a particular dynamic that the agenda will prevail. Um, mm-hmm. In most cases, right? Hence the parking lot. So those are the kinds of things that we wanted to talk about. You know, we we feel them on a regular basis. We are betting you do too. Uh, and talk about how do we design with that in mind? Um, how to disrupt that? Yeah. I'll stop there. What's on your mind, Greg, as, we, as I say all that? Well, what immediately comes up for me is the number of times that I have, and I think we, we have together, um, set out on a design after having a conversation with a client who is kind of, I don't know, sometimes we can get into these conversations where we all kind of get into a, an idea that we can solve a lot of problems, take care, take a huge bite of the, of the issue in, in one fell swoop, like in one meeting, whether it be a half day or a day or 90 minutes or whatever we're getting. Um, and how easy it can kind of be to be seduced into the idea that we can, we can take care of all of these things. Um, and then beginning to plan something that I can feel in my body as I'm planning it is too much. Like I can feel myself mm-hmm. being overwhelmed by it. Um, and, in, and the number of times that I've actually not slowed myself down in that, and maybe even, I think, you know, we've had a handful of experiences where we've gone into a thing going like, this is too much, isn't it? <laughs> you know, right. and realizing we're actually not going to get anywhere near. And then, then we're, we start measuring against what we thought we were going to get out of it and, and not necessarily recognizing that we, we weren't actually necessarily serving the purpose. And all of that actually as I'm saying that I'm realizing all of that's kind of without the context or not without the clear and um, visible charge of race being present, right. Where it's, where it's actually like an acknowledged and um, explicit part of the, the context that we're operating in. Yeah. Wow. You, there's said a lot. There's a lot to <laughs> slow down. Well, that was up. the, ag- <laughs> that's the agenda for the whole podcast. Actually, that's probably seven podcasts. Uh, I mean, just kind of to have a, how you do anything is how you do everything. Like that whole description of things um, is so full. And I'm really struck, Greg, by, you know, how we start measuring against what we thought we were going to achieve and how in some ways, like at the point when you feel like it's too much, it needs to be completely reimagined, you know, and, and completely um, like the design and even the purpose, dare I say, you know, needs to be blown up. And I, I would even like, I think it starts, I mean, how many times have we done something or we've proposed a meeting, let's do a whatever, and can it be shorter? 
Like that's, I feel mm-hmm. like that is so often the first question, like, can it be shorter? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one thing I think we've, you and I've been trying to do is like, well, it can be anything that you want it to be. Right. But let's be really clear on what we might gain and what we might sacrifice. So if you want it shorter, mm-hmm. then let's do one thing, you know, mm-hmm. and if there's a lot of relationship and people dynamics at play, then it's just one thing. So I think trying to bring into our conversations with our clients and really I've had to be more bold and you've helped me be more bold about mm-hmm holding the line or, you know, really, really challenging the client to be clear about what are we going to optimize for here, people or process or people or agenda. And I think you and I are really wanting more and more to be like, if you're not willing to prioritize the people, then hmm, there's another conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, Another way of framing that is like, if you're not willing to prioritize the people and the relationships between the people, then you're probably actually not prioritizing the dynamics that are at play in the challenges you're experiencing. And so like, you know, you just, you know, you want a quick fix. You like, I'm thinking about a client that Mm -hmm. I worked with this last year who I did a series of engagements with each of which were actually the shortest of which was. Um, two out two and a half hours, I think the longest was like a full day. And at the end of the at the end of the series, well, you know the 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 people in the in the in the room were saying like we we want more of this. And and the executive in the room said, yeah, I want to figure out how we can do do continue to do this, but in a way that takes less time. Right. You know. And it was like, well, this is this is the thing, right? Is that 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 executive was looking at it through the lens of the budget, which I get, you know, I mean, that's, that's real stuff. And like the, like the, the accumulated ROI on something like that is it's, it probably costs more to do it ineffectively than it does to do it effectively. And we were in a process that took time. It takes time to have conversation, those conversations. And I think that there's a, you know, coming back to, the you know, quantity of equality and the characteristics of white supremacy culture and how this is actually part of white supremacy culture is like, you know, first of all, the culture part of it, right? We, we don't necessarily think about it as something other than the way things are, you know, this right. is the culture, you know, one of the definitions of culture being the way we do things around here. Right. And so we think about just the way we ought, we are in our world. It's like, well, of course, you know, we try to get as much done as we possibly can that's just how the way things are. Right. And it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's a reason for that. And maybe we've actually been conditioned into believing that that's the best way to do it as opposed to actually disrupting the, that idea and actually approaching it from a way that's like, what are the, what are the people in this room, in this organization, on this team, whatever, what do they actually need right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate you slowing down the, the sense, because I think you and I in our programs have people say like, well, isn't this just the way it is? Like, what is this? Why? This isn't white supremacy. This is just what it is. And it's like, well, let's really slow that down and understand, you know, who's in, who has the power, who's been in charge, who Mm -hmm. set the norms, you know, who's, who's set this all up. Um, You know, and I, I can say from stepping a couple of times into 
black-led space, um, it mm-hmm. it goes very, very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's profoundly different. And um, mm-hmm. to have a chance to feel that in my nervous system and know what's possible. And, you know, I, I can hear people like, well, that's not going to sacrifice my outcome. Um, I would say, nope, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a whole group of people came together that didn't know each other, that had to work on some hard things and kind of, you know, rub up against each other's quirks and personalities and um, find their way through some hard work together and amazing things happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think... I think we know this, you, you, but you know, and I think I'm, I think I'm, th- I think I'm thinking about the experience you're talking about. And yeah. could you talk a little bit about your inner experience of that? Cause I, I think from what I remember was your inner experience to begin with was a little bit of like, what, like oh. what's happening. Right. And like, and like, not, it's not like you walked in there experienced it and were like, Oh, I trust this. <laughs> like, right? right. So could you talk a little bit about that? Cause I feel like that's, um, yeah, that's important to track. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I would say that I walked into, you know, a community and people who I deeply trusted, actually. You know, mm-hmm. I, I deeply trusted that that the space was being held and tended to just in ways that maybe I didn't recognize, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that helped for sure. Um, and there were lots of people there that I didn't have relationship with, but we were all part of a community where, you know, I think that understanding was there and, um, and it was uncomfortable. It was, I mean, I could feel my planny Plannerton, you know, organization, map it all out, make a process, make it clear, um, parts of myself totally come up because I wanted to, know how to fit in and I wanted to reduce my anxiety and I was feeling a lot of things about like not belonging or not knowing how to contribute and so I had to hit pause big time and you know be willing to be an inquiry as well as some more agency right like we are we are sensing the system the needs in the system and the, the people and like what's here. And it was a very relationship-based, presence-based, um, yeah, contribution, trusting one another type situation where that's mm. what we counted on was relationship mm. and um, trusting that people were there mm. to contribute. And that generated that generated the all sorts of things like tons of coordination mm-hmm. of food and meals and building structures and multiple places and buying of supplies. And there were so many things happening. You know, I will say that we did have morning meetings about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but morning meetings, uh, we're not talking a daily stand up here. We're talking um, silence. Uh, we're talking mm-hmm. song. Um mm-hmm. We're talking requests for help um, and was very, very different and great. So, and hard, it was all the things. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think I just 
when it comes to now I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my goodness, trying to imagine being able to design a meeting like that um, in a corporate setting. And honestly, that feels impossible, which makes me think mm. of Aaron and Portia at Holistic Resistance saying, we got to stay creative while doing the impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and so I think I've been talking a lot here, so I'll, I'll close this thought with looking for ways to do the teeny tiny little disruptions where mm-hmm. we co-create little moments of something feeling different and then asking people mm-hmm. like, how was that? I guess I'm not done talking. One more thing to connect to what you were saying and illustrate this <laughs> was um, you were talking about, you know, ROI of, of yeah. team sessions and workshops. And I can think of one, I was in a large fortune 500 or 100 doing a corporate thing and um, it was a team and we got to the end and it was like, well, you know, what's been the return on this time together and people, this is a new team that didn't know each other. And they're like, Oh, I got to know each other and trust us so much better. And we're being more candid and we're speaking so openly. And, and then it was someone's like, but, you know, but we don't know what we're doing next, but we don't, you know, and it was just, so I highlighted yeah. like, isn't that interesting? right? That like all of these amazing, non-measurable, non-actionable things happened and curious that that's not enough of a team of Uh people that came together, you know, and we had a a decent conversation, but of course we were out of time. (laughs) So Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Time, time being another one of those things that, um, in the, in the control of time and the measuring of time and all these things that we get into. Um, I remember you and I went and saw Adrian Marie Brown talk uh, a few years ago. God, it seems like a lifetime ago, but I think yes. it was just like three years ago. And, uh, and I remember her saying like, can, can you stop putting agenda items on meetings that are like in meetings that are five minutes long? Like, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> God. <laughs> And it's like, I've carried that with me ever since. I'm like, why? And, and, I, and I, I have an embarrassing number of five minutes next to agenda items on meetings. Yes, um, I do too. But you and I have, you and I have done a handful of agendas that have no times associated with them yes, whatsoever. Yes. They have yeah, a flow yeah. of conversation yeah, and yeah. then that's it. We don't yeah, even have yeah. desired outcomes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms it, of disrupting our practice, we're... And people yeah, still yeah, hire sure. us, so you know. It, <laughs> <laughs> what I want to say, though, like, is you know, going back to what you were talking about, um, is I'm I'm really seeing in the way you're describing all this how the the interweaving or the inseparability of our personal practice with the design, right? And so, because I think you know, it's easy to start thinking about this stuff as like ta- tactically, right? Like. Okay, what I need to do is learn how to design in a way that, you know, that doesn't violate these things or whatever. And it's like, actually, I think what, you know, I've seen this more and more for myself is, is it really about um, doing, doing the work, being in the conversations, you know, being sessioning and, um, and being parts of the groups that, you know, I'm a part of and, and wrestling with this stuff that then plays out in, in helping to design things, but then also carries forward into, into the session. So in some ways, like I'm saying, 
even though we were talking earlier about like talking about this more discreetly as design, like I'm saying, like we can't actually separate that from all of the other things um, because otherwise it just becomes another way of kind of breaking it down and being like, can I do this the best way possible? And yeah, as a, you know, and this brings in perfectionism probably in one right way, you know, which are other characteristics of white supremacy culture. And um, it, it seeps in, you know, and I think, you know, it can, it, we can start thinking about this in ways that are just reinforcing the very thing we're trying to disrupt. I have to say, I'm not totally tracking what you're saying. So you, the last thing was, <laughs> <laughs> we're starting to think about this. What is this? The, the, the idea of designing a meeting in a way that disrupts uh, th these characteristics of white supremacy culture. Okay, and tracking. If, if, if we try to if we try to separate that from our own practices as individuals mm. and collectively, like being parts of communities, being part like having relationships with people where we are sessioning on stuff together, um, being in account accountability relationships with whether that be with you know people of color or other other folks of other identities um, and folks of other identities. If we, if we, if we think of those as separate things, then mm -hmm. I think we can be thinking about it from a tactical standpoint, as opposed to yep. a whole more holistic standpoint. That's actually because, because to disrupt this stuff, isn't just to, to deploy some kind of an idea, right? It's right. It's not a checklist. Change. Right. And if, if what we're talking about, the culture of white supremacy characteristics or characteristics of white supremacy culture, right. Actually, that's another way of saying it, right? The culture of white supremacy characteristics. But if we, the, if we're if we're talking about where the place we have to begin to make that change is within, right? So we actually are trying to change that culture within ourselves, so that our designs start to look different, so that our um, approaches to meetings start to look different. And so we're actually holding some different considerations. You know, one of the things when you were just talking about, like you know, the conversation with this client about you know, their butt, you know, you know, all of our relationships are better. Trust is higher. Everything's feeling really good about here, but, and then, you know, and you're actually slowing them down to go, go to the, that, to that, but I can imagine that there are people in the room for whom their identity is not necessarily of the dominant culture. They come from a different culture. They have a different background, a different identity, um, a different positionality right. that we're feeling like, pulled towards the group by all of this relationship centering, right? Like as people are saying how good this is, it's like there's maybe an inner kind of pulling towards the group that's like, oh, okay, this is starting to feel good. This is starting to feel like in my body, I can actually trust this. And then as right. soon as they hear the butt, it's like the, the, the whiteness comes in and starts saying like, that's not important. What's important is all of these things that we can measure and I can imagine that being like, kind of like a, oh shit, like, yeah, yeah, here we go again. And, and that, so from that perspective, it becomes like how we think of design and how we think of an adjusting of the design in the moment as we're facilitating. I mean, that's the thing we're doing, right? Is we're pretty regularly redesigning as we go. Um, I'm sure most people can relate to that having holding the the reality of that you know like there's a there's a something else is being centered here and maybe this is an opportunity to disrupt the typical centering 
I really love the idea of centering Greg and like centering relationship. And I think as this thought is unfolding as I sit here, so, you know, we have lots of practices for centering the agenda. You've got Mm -hmm. times and parking lots and action items and action item charts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here thinking of like, ooh, you know, what are the practices for centering relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, and those moments when we are facilitating, you know, where we can say like even ask that question, like what's getting centered or what's getting put in the middle or what are we, you know, uh, what are we prioritizing over other things? And, you know, I think we're in the position because we are in the space of, you know, team coaching and interpersonal dynamics and culture and things like that, where, you know, we can say like, how, how is this a pattern? You know, mm-hmm. how is this serving you or not serving you? Like at what cost? Um, and so really like, what does it look like to center relationship? You know, and I think we need to find new language, you know, trust the process. Who I know people have heard that and that's code for shut up. you know or whatever that's code for um or you know we don't have time for that or that's not the time for this or you know whatever so i think like what if anyway so i'm feeling excited in this moment of like practices for centering relationship and getting more clear about those and not in a checklisty kind of way but in a felt in my body sort of way so i'm i want to let's percolate on that Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, it seems like I think about, you know, a lot of the times when when we're designing something, we will we will, you know, create when we create our agenda. First of all, like one of the things we do, and I think we're trying to do a little bit less of is create agendas that are rooted in these boxes. Right. Like, you know, we have those like tables and, you know, times yeah. on the left and activity in the middle and there's notes on the right and who owns it. I mean, this sounds probably very familiar to, to other, you know, to people who are listening who are facilitators and who design things, design meetings. Um, Boy, I sure love my table though. <laughs> I know, I know it's, you know, it, it feels good. And sometimes it, does. It, it actually, I, we had this experience, we were talking about this when we were designing our retreat this last summer, right? Like, and I was saying like, I feel like the way this, these boxes are actually like keeping us from actually really doing something really interesting with this retreat, which was something we were doing on our own. Nobody was hiring us to do it. So we could do whatever the hell we wanted to do, you right. know? And why are we putting them in these, why are we starting in these boxes? They ended up in the boxes, but I actually think that starting outside the boxes helped. But is oftentimes in those boxes, at the top of those boxes, right? We'll put something like, you know, activity name, right? And then we'll have purpose for this activity. And then we'll have like the outcome for the activity. You know, it's like, these kind of these kind of flow things, and I think there's something that you know that you're describing that as as we're talking here, it's one of the things I love about talking with you and just having these kinds of conversations. We get to learn it, and then we get to share it with people. Now, since we're recording this, is uh, is you know discovering something. We could add to that, right? Which is like what's being centered in this in this activity, you know, mm. and and it's way different question than like what's the purpose. Well, it, you know, I think both of I those like things it. actually, actually we could have, if you could have a purpose, you know, if the purpose, you know, let's, I mean, a team engagement, for example, and if the purpose of the activity is to help the team, um, you know, if we're using team elements, for example, and, and the purpose uh, is the team wants to work on um, shared vision, you know, 
Um, and the, so the purpose of the activity is to like help them um, uncover a conversation around shared vision. But if we could center, right, we could be centering their objective work um, or we could be centering their processes as a team or we could be centering, you know, their goals as it, I mean, like, you know, whatever they're like, because all of those things you could line up around team vision. But or, we could also, and, we could center, or we could center um, the, their, um, the way that they're, where that they're connecting to, to one another, the, the, the feeling that they want to have together, what they want the vibe on the team to be. Uh, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that we could center that are actually relationship focused or interpersonal focused, which comes back to, you know, looking at quantity over quality. What do I do with it? Oh, it went on this other page. Um, where it talks about, um, uh, where was it? This is so, this has got to be engaging, really engaging radio uh, for folks. Um, <laughs> and now, but with, you know, Greg, gonna, looking Greg's for a thing. Look, for, look, look, at his, look at his notes. Um, but where we're actually like, you know, we're looking for something measurable as opposed to the things that are in between the things that are measurable, which is actually oftentimes, I think, where this stuff lives. Yes so many things I want to talk more about, but I also think, I love how you were saying if we're going to work on, you know, if the team has decided that developing a shared vision is important, um, things that get put in the center are about relationship. Um, what does that open up? What might those things be? And then I also think about, you know, if we ask them, right, like if you as a group of folks want to make progress on your shared vision and understand this better, what should be put at the center mm -hmm. to help you do that? I would be so curious to see what, what a team would come up with. Um, mm -hmm. And then you and I have often talked about like the work, you know, we have org charts and structures and all those things, but what, what's happening is in between the spaces of those boxes. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what are the new measures? And I know there there's work out there being done around these things, but even asking a team, like, what, what would you measure to know besides trust without using the word safety, trust <laughs> and openness? Because I, I, again, it's part of that language that I think takes us into assumptions and zip files. So it's like, you might mean those mm -hmm. things, but I would love to hear in people's own words, like what, what would we want? What would tell us? How would we know that, you know, our relationships were improving or how would we know that, mm -hmm. you know, what, what would tell us if we had to measure anything, you know, and how, like how it feels in my body when I'm in this room or think about going to this meeting or, you know, I'm trying to think of sort of less woo woo things per se, you know, but like I have energy to come to this meeting or, um, but it doesn't matter more. The point is, you know, how do we, how do we center relationship, um, and, mm -hmm. you know, disrupt, uh, quantity over quality as just, you know, as it's expressed as a characteristic of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are some ideas actually in the characteristics of white supremacy documents, um, mm -hmm. which I like, and, and I, I'm not going to read them to y'all, um, teaser you'll have to go look them up yourself and i feel like a lot of them are missing there isn't a relational component 
Mm. You know, if, if it's described as often compromising the people and people's humanity in the name of productivity and action items and goals and outcomes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then my antidotes would be like, well, where are the people and how do we care for the people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I actually want to take a stand. I think for reclaiming woo woo, like you know, you just you just mentioned woo woo, and like things get categorized right. that way. And but one of the things that's interesting about that, I think, is that a lot of the things that get categorized as quote unquote woo woo um, are actually found in other cultures as a normal centered part of the the experience, right? So yeah. whether it be relationship with one another. Um, tending to our feelings and emotions of the people that are around us and that we care about, because chances are we care about our colleagues, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, and even if we're not going to invite them over for Thanksgiving, um, you know, we, we, we care about them, whether it's relationships with particular traditions or relationships with the earth and, you know, like we tend, you know, we tend to think about these things as woo woo, but actually, um, you know, part of, that's part of indigenous culture, you know? So yeah. there's a way in which um, I think, you know, we th if we're thinking about through the lens of design, I think, and this is something I think, you know, I'd love to talk more about you even just offline and like how when we're designing things, how are we actually thinking about the ways that we can be inviting in, more, creating belonging or, you know, space of belonging for more people mm -hmm. um, that may be in the room that maybe we don't even realize are in the room, you know, folks who are coming out of different traditions as opposed to assuming that everything is just kind of like plow forward. Let's get this shit mm -hmm. done. Um, and uh, yeah, just creating, creating a little bit more of that space, which I have a feeling if, if, you know, organizations were focused on that a little bit more would probably result in some of the outcomes that they're looking for, you know, the you know, happier, more satisfied, more, relaxed people are probably more productive, you know, they're probably more effective. They're probably, can you give an example um, of what, like what you're talking about that we would be doing or paying attention to in a meeting? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think, you know, building in some, building in some of the, I mean, we already do some of this relational stuff, right? Um, but like, you know, we, we did this, you know, one of the things we did in our retreat, which again, was not a, something we had, that we, we were hired in to do, but it was something we were offering, um, was invited people to go and um, uh, spend a little bit of time being in relationship with the place, right? Being in right. relationship and the with land. the land. You know, and I can, I can see doing, I can imagine doing something like that with a team, you know, where it's like, you know, if you're doing something at an offsite, you know, let's go in and actually use the, the, the world we're in, the, the place we're in as part of our process. And, mm -hmm. but, and not talk about that as a woo woo thing, like actually right. talk about that as something that actually is, you know, it's an inherently human thing and it's deeply part of a culture, not to claim it as a cultural thing and say, Right. You know, we're now going to do this indigenous practice, but but create space for people to experience that where that may actually be part of somebody's tradition and lineage. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's helpful. And I just think about the wisdom of the whole being, you know, as as we are coming to experience. And I think we all know, right, like what happens when we spend time in nature or go on a walk and suddenly sort something out or you know, mm -hmm. just the ways that we're whole humans with whole 
ways of being wise. And I think just naming that the woo-woo is a, you know, is a mechanism of white supremacy in and of itself. Like, let's just make fun of and dismiss and push aside right. and demean, you know, the things that are not cognitive and in our head um, and of language. That's another right. characteristics of white supremacy, right? The yeah. written word. And, and the, and like, you know, continuing to just slow it down and recognize like that, that doing that has an impact on people. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. and even though like we may say like, well, that's not a, that's not, we don't do that in the professional world. And like, it's like, okay, that, that may be true right now. And, and it'd be nice if that changed, but also what is it, what harm is it to actually consider the fact that by saying that you actually may be making somebody on your team feel yeah. othered, feel dismissed, feel dehumanized. And that to me, so I, I feel like the, all of these things, it makes it, you know, um, important are important things to be holding while we're, while we're designing, just to bring it back to design and feel a little bit like we can, as we probably starting to near a point of winding at winding down, um, that, that, that compulsion, I think both of us have to put a little bow on it. <laughs> Come yeah, well, I, I feel it. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was just starting to make a little list. Um, but I, I think, you know, this is like disrupting our practice and we're talking about design and facilitation. And I think you're pointing to our language. Um, mm -hmm. And the, you know, it makes me want to go through the language of facilitation and, and um, there's lots of ways I can, I can, I just know there are lots of ways that the language of facilitation is an othering, othering language is a control, teacher's yeah. control, um, not inclusive, not, not equitable. So, um, I don't know. Can I still put a little bow on it? I mean, I'm curious as we're <laughs> sitting here as, as always, we went many places like what you're, mm -hmm what you're thinking about leaving this conversation around what it means to disrupt your design and facilitation practice. Boy, I think, I mean, I think it's all of this. I think there's a, I, I mean, your point about language feels really important. Um, and it makes me, yeah, it makes me want to really start tracking and analyzing the ways that the language that I use is reinforcing something that I'm, that I'm trying to disrupt. I think this is one of the things I feel like, I feel like white supremacy culture is incredibly sophisticated. Obviously it survived this long and it, and it's survived in the face of like many attempts to, to disrupt it. And it, so it's, it's, it's insidious and it, and it's very sophisticated. And so, you know, I think in myself, it's the question of like, how, how is it that I'm still reinforcing it even when I'm mm -hmm. trying to disrupt it um, yep. is a, is definitely a big one. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely want to do that. I would like to think about practices for centering relationship, um, mm -hmm. and feeling, a and just an ever deepening commitment to, you know, naming that and, you know, having that be something that I think you said we stand for, um, mm -hmm. you know, and it's in our, it's in the connection works purpose statement, you know, to stop the work practices that diminish and disregard people's humanity and that's mm -hmm. that carries a lot of responsibility and i take it seriously mm -hmm. um and so mm -hmm. just really thinking about really thinking about those things and 
new measures and use of time and just all mm-hmm. the things. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and what I want to, what I want to name is also just like kind of thinking about the listener and the, the, the many directions that we went in this conversation um, is how, how complex this stuff actually is and how mm-hmm. like, like, you know, you pull on one thread and something else kind of unravels over here. And, and, and I think all of this is to, to be figured out. I'm still like, I think that, you know, you know, we, this is why we need other, why we need our, each other and why we need others in the conversations, because it's going to, it's all going to come through the relationship we have with others and yeah, other white bodied folks, you know, um, people of color, folks of other identities, bringing it in and like being in these questions. And so to that point, um, we're actually, we are launching a LinkedIn group uh, for these conversations. So we actually want a place where we can be in the conversation and be in the practice of this stuff. Um, so uh, you can look for that um, on LinkedIn. We'll, we'll have a title for it soon. I don't think we have a quite landed on a name for the group, but um, it'll probably have. It's just disrupting our practice. practice. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and hopefully you'll consider joining and being part of the conversation in that space. Um, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it will help deepen this for both for listeners and for ourselves as well, because I have a feeling that there's tons we can learn from folks that are listening to this. Yes, a um, couple of things for the show notes. I think Greg, we could um, connect into Adrian Marie Brown and any of yep. her resources on facilitation. And for any of our listeners, please send us other resources. Um, Also other ways that you've experienced, you know, white bodied facilitators causing harm through how they facilitate and the practices that they need to be disrupting. Um, Definitely Mm -hmm. like let us know. As, as you said, Greg, just as practice underway and um, just continually need to have my blind spots revealed. Uh, to me. And I think I'd also like to talk for a moment about um, holistic resistance and an upcoming mm. event that they have. Um, yes. So uh, holistic resistance um, is the, an organization that does anti-racism and anti-oppression work and includes holist- uh, Aaron Johnson and Portia Bede and uh, Jenny Pearl and Dylan Wilder Quinn. And um, they have a nonprofit called Grief to Action, which is building an amazing uh, village and sanctuary that will be Black-led, Black-owned on um, the family land and a place for um, African heritage and people of the global majority to have a place to grieve and be supported. And they are in an exciting build phase uh, for that and doing Mm -hmm. a fundraiser. And also um, they're talking... Um, this idea of unrested labor, Greg, have you mm-hmm. had a chance to talk with I Aaron have, yeah. about this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just really powerful, moving, important, heartbreaking, energizing conversation, inquiry to feel into and support. So on December 3rd, there is a um, meditation gathering from 3 to 5. So that's December 3rd from 3 to 5. Pacific we time. Can- Pacific time. They can put it in our show notes if you want to connect into um, meeting them and learning what they're up to and just experiencing the power of of that community. So anything you want to add on, I could say more, but time is adding up. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, very much encourage people to go check that out. We are in the works getting, um, uh, working on getting Aaron on the podcast, which I think is going to happen really soon. So, but I would say a better way to meet him is to go and experience his holding mm. the space with his team and with his community. And that event on December 3rd will be a fantastic opportunity for that. Yeah. And Portia Bede is also, uh, we yes. are talking with her about being on the podcast in the, early in the, in 2023, um, talk about her amazing work and invite us into an important inquiry around, can we see, hear, feel, and hold black women? Mm. Um, so yeah. very, very important. So stay tuned. Yeah. Yes. More soon so as always please send us your questions comments etc greg at connectionworks.com and shannon at connectionworks.com or hit the link in the show notes with the google form you can send questions and stuff anonymously that way if you like and, and if you uh, made it all the way to the end of this uh thank you thank you thank you i don't know how this became 49 minutes boy we had a lot of energy for this all i guess right. so do the next so. one. Okay. That's right. <laughs> well, look what yeah, happens when we it. have capacity. <laughs> exactly. Better watch yeah. out. Better watch uh, out. All right. Well, thanks right. a ton, Shannon. Thanks to everyone thanks, for Greg. listening. And yeah, we'll talk soon. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.